0: The Koi Gig Pod on Off The Ball. Having taken a poor penalty for you as a goalkeeper mentally to go back and goal, and you've seen it. It was such a poor effort from her. Mackenzie Ireland should have saved that penalty. Subscribe to the feed in the OTB Sports app now. The Coigach pot on off the ball in association with Cadbury, official snack partner of the Republic of Ireland women's national team.
1: Katie McCabe, a huge, huge goal. I'm very proud of the team's performance. We're gonna go out there to beat them. We're
0: gonna try and beat them.
1: Gig podcast. Kathleen McNamee here. And sadly, we are not all together in studio today as we were for our last very, very special episode. But I am joined as ever by Karen Duggan and Emma Byrne to look back over the last two semi finals and also look ahead to Sunday's World Cup final. We saw Australia, the Matildas, the brilliant hosts of this World Cup, sadly fall to England in their semi final in what was a slightly cruel scoreline, I have to say, considering how brilliant the Sam Kerr goal was. There was a great shot from, uh, I think it was a Getty photographer of Mary erps kind of twisting to see the ball going into the back for a net. I don't think I've ever seen such a brilliant angle of a goal. Um, and then, of course, we also had Spain going through after defeating Sweden once again. Bridesmaids, sadly, never getting there. Big moment on the scene. Emma, you were the one who was looking forward to Spain-England final. How are you feeling now that that's actually come to pass?
0: Yeah, I think it's going to be good. It's going to be a football in final. So I think that's generally what I was looking for. Um, it's a tough one to call. I think it's going to be a really good game. I just hope they don't cancel each other out and they both go for it, which I think they will. I think they're both going to go for it. So yeah, excited to see that. I'm, I'm interest, really interested in the Spanish lineup. Mm. That's gonna be a difficult to call for sure. Are you talking about the striker area? I'm talking about the midfield. will he play Alexia Puteus? will mm. he play? And then striker Mar- Mariana Caldenti, will he play Redondo? Those three positions I think are definitely. A big question mark over them, especially what happened when he made those changes. So, yeah, that's the big question. Do oh. you keep Parriarello as an impact soap? I wouldn't. You'd start I'd, her.
2: I'd I would her. as well. She's terrifying.
0: <laughs> yeah. Imagine yeah. her against Bright. So good. Well, just the pace. Like, yeah. we're just, I think Spain might try and soak them up, soak the pressure up a little bit and go for counter because you've seen what happened against Australia mm. I know they're different strikers and Sam Kerr and Paribello but Paribello is so quick she might be one of the only players that they have that can make those Break runs the line yeah and stretch the game so that will allow the, the Spanish well Jenny Hermoso to get on the ball in that number 10 position so I mean personally I think he has to play her. he has to do you think that's the
2: way they'll go, though?
0: Spain Spain likes to dominate possession. Do you think that's They a... do. They do, but I think they have... I mean, they have to do something a little bit different because they didn't dominate in midfield against Sweden. Mm. Sweden did an excellent job. I think England are too good in midfield as well to allow that to happen. Um, and they're just so dangerous, England, going forward. Like, they they, they attack on the, the wide areas. They attack through the middle. So, I actually think the first initial tactic will be to bypass the midfield because the big question mark for me is Alexi Puteis as well. She's not at her best. She's still trying to get there. She's still very, very good, don't get me wrong. But, you know, she's not firing off all cylinders. And I don't know if you saw when she came off what happened. Yeah. The
2: goalkeeper not pleased, shall we say?
0: Her hand and she kind of not, but she definitely took her hand away. And I thought, hmm, considering everything that's happened in the past about the the 15, I think Jorge Vilda might look at that and think, no, we're not having that. That's not going to happen. So I think that's a big question mark. If they don't play Alexia, I think they are going to bypass the midfield.
1: So what would you do if you were the coach, Emma? If you were picking that team, what would be your setup?
0: I would play Alexia. <laughs> <laughs> I would play I, I would play the same team. I, I'm very nervous about Laia Codina. I do like her as a centre back, but again, she doesn't have a lot of experience. She does make mistakes. But I would pick the same team, but I would bring Peruello in for a Redondo. Okay. Yeah. And, and then oh, nice Karen,
2: big, big question on the other side then is, do you bring in Lauren James?
1: Karen, It's That's almost good. like you know what I'm thinking. <laughs> Absolutely.
0: Do you? Absolutely. Is it harsh on Ella Toon? Yeah, I mean, it, it is. But to be quite honest, Lauren James, there's no player like her. Mm. There's no player like her. Ella Toon has, has done excellent in the last game against Australia but she hasn't been consistently excellent mm-hmm. whereas Lauren James has just got something different and Spain would prefer to play against Elitu and you have to look at the opposition as well it is harsh but when you've got a squad of excellent players it's yeah. going to be harsh so,
2: is there no room for sentimentality in a final either best team so,
1: mm-hmm. Is there anything in it that, like, considering the reason that she did miss the last two games, like, would that put any sort of doubt in Vigman's head? Or do you think it's more a case of she's got it out of her system now, she's made one of the biggest mistakes she could on one of the biggest stages, and she will have managed to, I suppose, overcome that mental... Maybe not overcome it mentally, but, you know, it'll be there in her head, like, I can't do something like that again, because that was really flippin' stupid.
2: Yeah, there's think, no way you should do something like that again. Absolutely not. But, but, and I think if our England hadn't gotten through, it would have possibly affected her going into the season. But I think that this is a perfect redemption arc for her to come on or to start the final and potentially be a game changer there.
0: I think Wiegmann will start with the same 11. You know, she's prone to doing that. They played really well. I'd be surprised if they change it. I would play Lauren James, but I don't think she's going to start. I think she'll keep the same team.
1: Interesting. Well, to look at the two semifinals that we've just had a little bit before we go into the final a little bit more, we'll go with the first one, Spain, Sweden. Emma, what was your overarching feeling after that? Were you looking at that team and saying, yeah, these are world champions or... Is there still something to prove in your mind?
0: Oh, there's a lot to prove from Spain. I don't think they've played well at all. They're in the finals of the World Cup with the I'm not gonna go on about it, the players that aren't there, but basically they're they're in the finals of a World Cup without their strongest start in eleven, and I don't think they've done anything really to say against Switzerland they're very good, but I thought Switzerland were poor. Um, and they haven't connected the way we've seen them connect. Like this time last year, they were they were excellent. So I'm still waiting for that to click. For I'm hoping for England's sake that it doesn't click in the final because when it does, it they're just impossible to beat. So again, it's all about the team selection from Jorge bilder and that's going to be really difficult for him. But I don't know, like going into the game, I thought Sweden were excellent against Spain. I really did. I think they've impressed me the most out of everybody in the World Cup. And they completely stopped Spain from playing through the midfield. I thought Rolfo was excellent. She kept Ona Batier quiet and she kept Jenny Hermosa quiet. She stopped them playing. Alexi wasn't able to get on the ball. So yeah, whatever they've done in midfield, that box, the way they played narrow, England should be looking at that if they want to stop Spain playing through the midfield. Um, but in the end, I think Spain deserved to win. I think they just have the quality there. Salma Pariello really changed the game. She just stretches it completely, even playing as the number nine, which she's not a number nine. She can play in the right, she can play in the left. Like She's excellent. You can keep her on the pitch and still change like the formation and stuff like that so that's why I play. Um, yeah and I think when she plays I just think I'm so I'm so pro Barca I know I'm total Barca 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 but when you've got a, a team a squad that you've got six players that play in the same team that win Champions League that are head and shoulders above every other team at club level you have to kind of play them together and I'm including Jenny Armosa in that even though she's not a Barca now but she's she is versatile. She's very, very versatile. like so
1: well, She was there for think. long enough to kind of be able to play that sort of football with those players as well. Kind a word for Sweden, I said at the start, kind of always the bridesmaid, never the bride. I don't know, was it Rolfo or Ericsson after the game said that she doesn't know, can she take getting so close and not quite making it? Again, they have had quite a lot of heartbreak over the years when it comes to these things. For those players, how do you kind of, Pick yourself up and keep going, I suppose.
2: Oh, like, it is obviously devastating, but uh, based on the form they had going into the tournament and the kind of football they were playing, I was surprised that they got as far and put on as good a showing as they did um, to get that far. And I really worried about them against the technical teams, against your Japans and Spain. And they, like, the first half against Japan was so so impressive and then I kind of thought maybe that that was just their peak but they played really really well against Spain again but like Emma said Spain have more quality than Sweden Um, I think Sweden looks like they'd gotten themselves together and they were obviously very well drilled very fit physical team but that's that's what they are and that's their level and teams like Spain then have are getting to that level on Physicality basis, but they have just that bit more flair that can punish you. um More ability to put the ball in the net, which Sweden didn't. They're very much reliant on set pieces still, which we know all about. Nothing wrong with it. Just <laughs> that's the level they're at, and I think the semi final was was their their peak.
1: It's kind of interesting because I think between like Spain, Sweden, and England at different points. We've said that, like, none of them have played particularly impressive football, but they, like, have had gun patches, but also still have a lot that we'd like to see from them. Emma, is that, like, a symptom of maybe there not being, like, the powerhouses that maybe we have had in previous years where there's just, like, one team that comes through, blasts everyone away, and it actually shows there's a much more even playing field to a certain extent for the teams?
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, the the smaller nations are definitely closing that gap and it, it was all, for me, it was a lot to do with physicality and fitness and stuff like that. Now they're, you know, we, we, Ireland, were getting beaten on that alone. Like we just weren't fit enough. We weren't physical enough. They were beating us in 1v1s and just couldn't recover. That is no longer the case and rightly so. It shouldn't be a question mark over anybody's fitness because most teams are professional players. But, you know, we talk about USA, they're in a bad way, like they would always be in the team that you would say they're going to get to the final, they always do, but this time, you know, they just were so individual, it was so strange for me to watch USA and say they cannot play together as a team. Mm-hmm. They are playing in as individual players and those individual players um, weren't good enough, aren't good enough, don't have the experience, so You've got teams coming up like Sweden, for example. That is the best you're going to see Sweden play. So where do they go from here? they they go down basically, I think, because you've got Aslani Kosovo Aslani who probably played the best tournament I've ever seen her play. She's like 33, so um, it's going to be difficult for her in a four years' time to be as good as she was. Um, and I just think these. Teams that were considered the powerhouses like Germany, Sweden, Norway was up there at one stage. I mean, it's been a good few years since they were up there, USA. And they don't have that advantage point of being fitter, being physical. So obviously the teams that have physical fitness, fitness, um, they have the tactics, they have the flair players, they are so creative. The two teams that are in the final probably apart from japan have been the most creative teams in the tournament lauren james is a big part of that she's so creative and and that's what it's about now there's no more talk about physicality even japan okay they need to do better balls in the air but you know that's something they can work on but apart from that you wouldn't look at a team and go oh they need to get fit that's not Mm -hmm. the case so that's brilliant. It's now about the flair players and it's about the tactics and it is about management and coaching styles coming yeah. into it. It is about the manager making the right decision. It's about the manager getting the tactics right. So the pressure is on them.
1: It is interesting when we look at like the managers that are there in these final stage meetings, Reno every major tournament split in, set a team to the final. Tony Gustavsson won two World Cups as an assistant manager. There's obviously all the stuff about him, which we know and we've talked about quite a lot where the pedigree isn't there in the same way, but it does kind of feel like as well as the squad's getting better and better, we're also getting better and better management coming through. Although I do find it interesting when you're looking at what the options are for the US now. Because all the sourcing is that Anonofsky has you know, um, given in his resignation and he's not going to take the team forward. I think that's what everyone expected. But when you look at the list of names it's kind of funny that all the bookmakers are going for it. It's like Laura Harvey, which is like an understandable one and Serena Wigman is there. The FA Mark Bullingham today was like yeah, no, we're not letting Serena Beegman go for anything, which you can totally understand. And then there's random names thrown in there like Phil Neville and maybe that's just a consequence of like the people who were doing these things of not knowing what they're talking about but you're like there's so many better managers out there than the ones that you were listing for this u.s team um karen you were a team let's get australia to the final because they've been so entertaining for this whole world cup apart from of course whenever they were playing us and then that was just terrible but uh <laughs> wash what do you feel Went wrong for them. Like, it, is it just a class thing that they came up against a team that was just that little bit better?
2: Yeah, I think um, they were. We always had them pegged as a counter-attacking team, but there's slight vulnerabilities at the back, and England had enough of the ball and enough pressure to make that show. Um, I think Carpenter obviously made a a, a quite a big mistake there, but again, like the ball over the top should never have come as easily as it did. And we should have been able, they should have been able to just um, communicate that better between Arnold and and the defense. And essentially that's what it came down to. um, It had taken so much out of them as well to get to that point. Um, You always kind of felt like England had another level to go. Whereas I think every step that Australia came through was an added bonus um, and I think all their big names showed up when they needed them to which was great but again like Sweden I think that that was that was their, their level I think getting to the semi-final was a fantastic achievement um, and yeah like a lot of players will have put themselves in shop windows and it'll become household names and stuff like that and I just think like it, it would have been great for the tournament when you saw those scenes mm-hmm. of when Sam Kerr scored the goal like they're not going to be oh. um, emulated anywhere across the world. It can only be the host nation that, that does that. So that was phenomenal to see and obviously would have liked one last hurrah to see that again. But what they've brought to the tournament has been fantastic.
1: Is it like 11 point something million people watched it just on one channel in Australia, which is like nearly half the population. You saw the scenes from Med- uh, Melbourne from I think it's Federation Square, it's called, where everyone just like starts going berserk whenever Sam Kerr scores that goal. Emma, uh, for a player like Samper, who's done it all across, you know, multiple leagues and multiple continents, obviously had the like devastation of not being injured for those first few games, and we didn't know if we were going to see her at all in the tournament. You know, crying when she was doing the national anthem ahead of the Ireland game because she knew she wasn't going to be there. For her to get that moment, get that goal, to have at least that one shining moment, how important do you think that is for her?
0: Yeah, it's massive. It's a huge thing and she's she's done so much club level and I know all about this, when you, you win things at club level and you can't push your team over the line at national team level, it's something that you're just driving at you. And it's very frustrating when you can't do it and passionate she is about playing for Australia and how important she is for Australia and they definitely have done an amazing job I mean they were just brilliant I was devastated to see them go out but also I wanted to see England go through to have that final um, you know England Spain Spain-England finals just going to be absolutely yeah they're, they've always been a team I loved and mainly because of Sam Kerr you know if, if she's not playing they're not the same team and she doesn't like to take the limelight a lot but she should because she's very, very important and you can see the difference she makes. I mean, she basically created that goal and scored that goal on her own, which was amazing. Obviously, she would have preferred to see her team go through, but at least she can take that away from it. And hopefully, we'll see her in many, many more tournaments. Hmm. Well, at least two more.
1: (laughs) Karen, as Emma was saying there, you can definitely see a difference in Australia whenever Sam Crow does play. But do you think... To a certain extent, they kind of have gotten rid of a little bit of the impression that they're just a one-woman team and that, you know, it's if they don't have Sam Kerr, then that's it. They can't achieve anything and might as well just give up.
2: <laughs> yeah, I think so. Um, I think we kind of knew it anyway because we'd be so used to watching the likes of, of Catley and Ford week in, week out. But also... I thought that the midfield was phenomenal. It wasn't really a midfield that I I would have known too much about going into the tournament, but I thought that Cooney Cross, now I'd say she's... um, On Chelsea's radar. Yes, and and, and that's a testament to the the performances that she was putting in. I thought she was phenomenal. So it shows that they're not just dependent on lumping a ball up to the four to Sam Kerr and, and getting a goal out of there that they can put it up to teams physically and that they can also you know, create um, a little bit more and they have a lot of pace and power down the flanks as well. So definitely not not a one-woman team, but they still have the best striker in the world. So it's, yeah. it's always going to be the case. It was like when Ronaldo was at Man United. Yes, he was the best player back then, but there were good players around him that helped as well. <laughs>
1: I mean, if you had the option, you would definitely take Sam Kerr on your team. I <laughs> I wouldn't be turning her down if she was suddenly like, oh, I have an Irish family member. Um, Emma, we saw England and Spain go up against each other in the Euro quarterfinals last year in what was one of the most exciting games. Um, I was at that game and I just remember the Spanish journalists around me literally in tears <laughs> whenever the England goal went in and gave them <laughs> the lead. How similar do you think the style or the play is going to be between that match and the final? Because obviously some different personnel involved. You know, say England don't have the likes of Frank Kirby, and Spain have the likes of Alexia Patel's back. Matthew Leon's missing. What? How similar? How much do you think we can judge? I suppose the two sides of what has happened before.
0: Yeah, I mean, Spain don't change how they play. I think they had a better team in the Euros and I think England had a better team in the Euros but I don't think it's going to take Anthony away from it. I think um, if England had maybe two more games going into the final I'd be lumping on them to be honest because they just seem to be getting better and better and getting a little bit more used to playing with each other. Lauren Hemp is just reaching her form playing in that central position. Um, Different teams than the Euros for sure but Similar style. I think it's going to be quite cagey. Um, At the start, I think Spain might control it a little bit at the beginning. I think England are going to have better chances like the Euros. And I think it's, um, as I said, I don't think you can call this one, which is great, which is brilliant. Obviously, it's our job to try and call it. <laughs> so I'm gonna try and find out the team so, so then I'm gonna try and call it. <laughs> um but yeah, I mean I don't think they're gonna look back on that game. I don't think they're gonna look back in that game. I don't think they're gonna really review that game because it is a very different game from England. Is it all about performances in the last couple of games? And as I said, uh win and lose this game.
1: Mm. Karen, I know has just said this game is impossible to call, but Head and Heart, what are you thinking in terms of who is possibly going to be the one to come out on top, And what do you think the difference will be?
2: Um, head and Heart, Head, England, Heart, Spain. Um, again, Spain are just the team that I prefer watching. Um, they're probably more exciting. England are a more efficient team they have a better coach and I think that she's protected them and brought them together in such a way that even if they do go a goal down, that they can react quite well. Whereas I I don't know, Spain could still be prone to something like what happened in the Japan game. Um, I don't think it will happen because a lot of them are used to the big stage, obviously with Barcelona and playing in Champions League finals, but there's that element of doubt in my mind that they have that kind of vulnerability mentally. And I, think that, not that England have better players, but that what Fiegman has brought to the squad is a resilience that I don't know if Spain have because just it's just been such a mess.
1: Yeah, it's hard to know how much, I know I was asked this question today on off the ball, you know, what, what have the mutterings been out of the Spanish squad about everything that happened over the last year and stuff? And it's funny because There seems to be almost an acceptance publicly anyways that everyone's just going to get on with this and they want to do as well as they can in this tournament. They want to add to all the underage World Cup success they have had. And it's been a major talking point, I suppose, for people like us or people on social media who are kind of like watching how everyone's interacting. But in terms of like in press conferences and stuff, it's not something we've massively heard about. Emma, for this Spain team, what will it mean after everything that they've gone through as a group if they do manage to win on Sunday?
0: Um, I think it's going to be like, uh, listen, this team is full of winners. They're they're players that would do anything to win, and I think that's very important thing to to remember. I think initially it will be complete elation like if you win the World Cup there's nothing else that's going to be in your mind just to party basically and to celebrate but then obviously you know I'm just thinking what the players at home are thinking right now like after the Japan game I'm sure it was like hmm the you know, Spain are missing their big players and if they were there, maybe if Mappy Leon was there, Japan probably wouldn't have scored those goals. That's that's for sure. So the fact that they've made it this far without them, it's kind of a bittersweet thing because I I know that the players left behind were trying to push women's football further. That's things like you're in a great position so I'm sure there are going to be a lot of if, if they do win
1: yeah I can totally imagine how that would be the case for them and also as you say all that we've heard from those players that did stay at home is that you know they have very strong reasons for wanting to not be a part of this squad and I don't know, to not see them win the World Cup A is going to be, I'm sure, happy for a lot of them, but also difficult. But there's also the other side of, well, the manager has led them to a World Cup. It's very hard to then turn around and say, well, he shouldn't get another contract or he shouldn't stay on for another couple of campaigns. <laughs> so it also kind of throws up the questions, I suppose, for them in terms of, well, where where do you go from here? Or what does it mean for their international career path this summer?
0: Listen, if you're fighting for something that you believe it is worth, if you're fighting enough for something that you believe it's worth to step away from the national team, then you, you do that. Mm-hmm. The, the, the problem is players went back. I'm not sure what they were fighting for. Was it was Were they fighting for themselves or were they fighting for the bigger picture? It wasn't very clear from the start. So at the end of the day, this manager has brought them to the, the World Cup final I think they've lost their, the strength that, that they've lost that to put their push. Um, and that's the bittersweet thing about it. Like, but at the end of the day, the manager is there to do a job. He's doing his job. What can you do? Yeah, they've
2: lost a bit of goodwill because of that uncertainty is if it was just for themselves or whether it was for the greater good. And if it was for the greater good, they obviously backed down, um, which equally is like, hmm. uh, so Well, I didn't want to have to support Spain in the final. It's just the position I find myself in.
1: (laughs) I think you're not the only one, Ken. I mean, you look at like social media, you're talking to people, and people are either, you know, have very strong feelings on Vilda, and they're like, okay, I'm just going to have to support England. It doesn't make me happy, but I'm going to have to do it. Or else people are like, I don't like Vilda, but I can't support England. I really want Spain to win because I really like these players and how they play. So I want that for them. So... I think there's a lot of neutrals who are very feeling very very conflicted going into this game but as Emma said at the start of the podcast hopefully it's a really good game of football hopefully both sides don't just dig in and kind of play negative football that isn't very fun to watch hopefully we have a few goals and a bit of a thriller on our hands And guys, thank you both very much for today. As always, the Coagate pod on Off the Ball is brought to you by Cadbury Official Snack Partners, the Republic of Ireland Women's National Team. We will be back for our final podcast cry of the world cup and we're not actually going anywhere for all that long Uh, on monday so looking forward to chatting to you all then if you have any thoughts either during the match or something that you want us to discuss on monday please do get them into us on twitter at the koi gig pod but for now thank you very much for listening
0: the koi gig pod on off the ball in association with cadbury official snack partner of the republic of
2: ireland women's national team